3: With the sides above them faltering in recent weeks and the Reds on a run of six consecutive wins, Klopp's side will want to continue their unlikely push for a top-four finish as they take on relegation-battling Leicester City this Monday evening. Joining us on the plot to dive into how and why this season has unravelled for the Foxes, we welcome back Leicester City correspondent for the Leicester Mercury, Jordan Blackwell. Welcome back, Jordan. Thanks very much for having me. No, it's always good to chat and I think it's been a while since we last managed to To catch up, and uh, a lot has happened. Unfortunately, not tons of great stuff. So I think it's going to hopefully there'll be some sort of catharsis in this. But I'm sure you're having plenty of these discussions of uh, of late over the past few months. And with three games left to go in the season, I suppose it does make sense at this stage to be asking you. I suppose if you cast your mind back right to the beginning of the campaign, did you ever expect it to unfold the way in which it has done?
4: No, I don't think so. No, I, I think the maybe the signs were there. So maybe perhaps I should have felt that way. But um, no, I think even with the sort of lack of transfer activity in the summer, which is probably the first real sign of um, potential trouble, I still didn't think that Leicester would be in trouble. I think you saw that, you know, this is a squad that in the previous three seasons had finished fifth twice and won the FA Cup and then obviously eighth last season. Um So you don't think, even if they don't get to sort of, uh, you know, improve the squad in any way, and obviously there wasn't much transfer activity. You yeah. still think, okay, with the squad they've got, they've still got a, a decent uh, squad there. They're going to be okay they're going to be, okay, they might drop down a little bit because there's not this sort of extra motivation maybe and there's not a freshness to the squad, but they might drop to like 12th or 13th. I don't think anybody really thought um, that they would be in this position, Um, not until they actually started playing the games anyway.
3: Yeah, and I remember when I was speaking with yourself and speaking with sort of other um, Leicester fans over the past, I'd say at least past year or so, um, there was a sense of frustration with um, things drifting a little bit under Rodgers. Uh, there being the sense that um, n- not maybe a, a completely clear sense of, of direction in terms of sort of where the, the the squad was going, sort of what playing style he was truly trying to develop. Um, as you say, I think when you when we look through the squad, tons of quality there really, and it is a shock to see. To see Leicester in the position that they're in, and and also it's 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 been it's it's been a shock. I'm sure it comes a shock to you, but it's 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 been as a shock for um, a fan from the from the outside in. Seeing from time to time sides go out there full of quality and 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 put in the performances that they have done as well. So I mean, you mentioned the lack of transfer activity, and that was one of the first not warning signs, but signs that perhaps it was going to be a bit of a bumpier season than. Than expected, at the end of last season. I mean, where did you think were the areas where Leicester needed to strengthen? Uh, and I'm I'm guessing the the window that Leicester did have, um, did it go anywhere to actually sort of address those issues?
4: No, it didn't. No, I think that it was more that um, more that they just needed new players to just freshen things up. And to be fair, Rogers did say that. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. I, it may have been, it may have sort of made it out to sort of, um, fans who, who don't know Leicester, but there was a the moment when they lost to Forrest in the FA Cup. Um, this is when Forrest was still in the championship and Leicester were obviously FA Cup holders that Forrest thrashed them 4 1 and Rogers went on a bit of a rant after that and sort of said, um, you know, some of these players have reached their peak. We need to refresh the squad. It's all gone stale kind of thing. And I think the feeling was that they wanted six, six new players, as far as I understood it. Um, a centre back, uh, two central midfielders, two wingers, uh, and a goalkeeper, um, being a goalkeeper to replace Kasper Schmeichel, um, who, while it, I think it was given the impression that it, it kind of, left of his own accord because he wanted the the move to Nice. I do think it was a little bit of um, him being pushed towards the exit as well, as far as Leicester were concerned. Um, so, yeah, they wanted all those deals, and it looked like they were going to be active in the transfer market. Even as late as June, Rogers was calling around potential targets, and, you know, the, 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 the transfer team and the, the sort of the scouts and the recruitment team were very busy. And then all of a sudden, I remember speaking to rogers in july leicester had a pre-season game um at their sister club in belgium um and i went over and it was the first time anybody had spoken to rogers since the end of the previous season and he was like well we can't do any deals until we sell players um so they didn't do any deals until they obviously they sold for farna um, and then brought in brought in fast as a, a replacement on deadline day but That was it. And it did feel a little bit like um, the deals that they needed to do hadn't been done. Um, But again, as I said before, but they didn't lose too many of the players. Yes, they lost Schmeichel, but there'd been doubts over him previously as well. Um, And they lost Fafana, but he'd not played much of the previous season because he'd been injured for so long. So it, it didn't feel, although it felt disappointing, it didn't feel devastating that they'd not done the deals um and so that it still despite all that it still has been a surprise what's come since
3: mm. and i suppose in in terms of when you first felt that you started to seeing these warning signs in the performances um can you can you pick a particular game that you think back to or a patch of games in the season where you think that it's the concern started to get a little bit broader. That okay, this is more. This is more than just a sort of a bad bad run of form or patch of form. This is something a bit more um, significant.
4: Yes, I think I would say the away game at Brighton in early September, uh, which was the sixth game of the season. I think
3: September, wow, Yeah. Okay.
4: Yeah. So I I, I remember right. Well, obviously Leicester had had this terrible start. Um, yeah. So at that point, that was their sixth game, and they. would they drew the first one, then they lost. They lost the next six, mm. um, but this was the fifth of, of those six defeats. They lost to Spurs. They lost six two at Spurs the week after, but actually that wasn't that wasn't as bad as the Brighton game. But I remember writing after the Brighton game um, that all of the hallmarks were there of a relegation battling side. I did say it was a bit too early to sort of definitively say that because it, you know they weren't even a, a a sixth of the way through the season, mm. but there was. Uh, Lack of organization. There were players not running. There were players arguing with each other. There were individual mistakes. All of the things that you would usually see in a team that not only is in a relegation battle, but loses a relegation battle. They were on display in that game. Um, and I think that's, that was a real big warning sign. But then again, that I know it sounds, um, Silly to say when they lost six two the following week. So it was five two the Brighton game, six two the following week against Spurs. They actually played a lot better in that Spurs game, um, and there were it was three two for well Leicester were level at half time. It was three two up until about seventy minutes, and then Son came on and scored a hat trick with three shots, um, which kind of distorted how, how even a game it had been. And obviously they get, got back after the international break, and then they went on that really good run where they thrashed Forest, they thrashed Wolves. Um, They beat Leeds, they won away at Everton, they won away at West Ham, all before the World Cup. And it actually felt like then, okay, maybe the sort of hangover from a difficult summer affected them to start the, you know, at the start of the the season. Maybe they were back on the straight and narrow. Um,
2: Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile. When it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats. To our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters. All provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise. And are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA. To sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast... You can get ten percent off everything with coupon code AIPRO ten. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield index
4: But whether the the World Cup's then affected them and they've gone they've gone backwards again, or whether those that run of games just hid some of the issues that, that were still there. I'm not quite it's not quite clear, but certainly there were worries from as early as September because of the nature of the performances as well as the results.
3: Yeah, and you mentioning all those sort of hallmarks of a side that's going to be involved in a relegation battle that were sort of alarming to see that early in the season. I mean, what do you put that down to? Because, I mean, obviously then, as you saying, so Le- Leicester did go on that positive run before the World Cup. Uh, there's a lot of quality in that side. Yes, of course, the, the disappointment of not getting players in in the summer when you were hoping for investment. Things can go a little bit stale, for, like... Like, that's sort of perfectly understandable. You can imagine that. But some of the things you're talking about there, like around sort of you know, the lack of running, like a little bit of disharmony on the pitch there, sort of players arguing with one another, um, I hadn't really seen too many signs of that prior to this season amongst the squad. Yes, at times I, I, I'll i admit sort of my opinion was that I thought Leicester were underperforming a little bit for the quality that they they had, but certainly didn't see those signs that there was... Sort of disillusionment amongst the squad. I mean, what do you put that down to? I mean, are you saying there that that, that 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 summer impact of actually ending up with you know, pr- practically uh, very few players coming in and selling one of your sort of biggest young talents has had had that much of an impact, or would you think it was maybe something along the lines of you know Rodgers being there for four years and the message starting not to get through to the players?
4: Yeah, I, th- I think that that last point in particular. I think that with the with the summer, I think as well. I think there were more players that probably wanted to leave or saw their futures away from Leicester. Maybe thought they'd done as much as they could with Leicester. Right again. Okay. Um, you know, I think they they played in Europe for the previous two seasons. Obviously, got close to the Champions League, um, but had played in Europe, played in the the Europa League, and then obviously got to the semi final of the Conference League as well. Um, Obviously coming into this season, they knew there would be no European football. And maybe because they'd had back to back years in, in Europe, maybe there were lots of players there that felt, okay, well, I want to go and play for a, a club in Europe now. Um, you know, a club, sorry, a club that's competing in Europe, either in the Champions League or Europa League. Um, so maybe the, the motivation for the, the players wasn't quite there. As you say, I think the fact that Rodgers um, had been there a while. I think he appreciated. I mean, that's why I think he wanted so many changes to the squad, because he had. This was new territory for him. Uh, it's interesting because I think it goes back to, um, to to his time at Liverpool. So he obviously he did three full seasons at Liverpool, and I think he was sacked t- two months into into the fourth. Yeah. Into the fourth. Um, he'd been at Leicester slightly longer because he did the final 10 games of a season when he first arrived and then he did three full seasons. And I think he was probably thinking back to his Liverpool time, thinking, well, maybe there's a kind of cycle and we've had a three-year cycle here. And the only way I'm going to, my message as a manager is still going to get through is if we have a real kind of rotation of the squad. Um, And I think that's that's what he wanted. And I think that's what he felt was needed because he was probably thinking about his, um, you know, previous time at Liverpool, this was the longest he'd ever been at a club. Mm. And I think he was trying to find ways to, to to reinvent himself and reinvent the team. I think then when he didn't get the players that he wanted and there wasn't the transfer activity, I think his enthusiasm may have waned a little bit. You know, the, I remember after that Brighton game, he was asked a question saying, are you still happy to be here? Um I know, I think he answered it perfectly fine, but I think the fact that that was even being asked, yeah. you know, maybe showed that in his body language maybe he didn't look as motivated or as enthusiastic as he had done previously. So I think that combination combined with players maybe not maybe thinking they were above Leicester. I think that's not helped. Um and then you've got to this point when they're in a relegation battle and all of a sudden I think they're struggling there because there well i mean there's there's numerous reasons really, but one, maybe they think they're they're too good you know they they've they've bought into this message that we've seen from a few pundits that they're too good to go down uh they've got the quality there, and maybe that's that, that might explain why they concede first in nearly every game they've conceded first in seventeen of the last eighteen games um you know it was almost as if they think they can coast through and they don't realise until they've conceded, oh, hang on, we actually need to play here uh, to get a result. Um, lack of confidence probably hurt them as well. Um, there's maybe the fact that they weren't expected to be in a relegation battle. I think that's probably hurt the whole club in the sense that Initially with Rogers, they had a manager that wasn't anticipating being in a relegation battle. They had a set of players that weren't anticipating being in a relegation battle and a set of fans that weren't anticipating being in the relegation battle. Now, if you look at Forest, their manager, their players and their fans knew they would be in the battle at the bottom and they've been really pumped up for it. And that's why they've got such good results at home uh, this season. And everyone's kind of on the same page. At no point this season have... It has it felt like the manager, the players, and the fans been on the same page at Leicester. Um, Nobody's really wanted to be in this situation, and and that's why you start to see people question whether they have to fight for a relegation battle.
3: Yeah, that acceptance is almost the key part of beginning to adapt to to a relegation battle, isn't it? That actually thinking that it's. It, it it is a reality then you have to sort of fight to earn your way into games before that quality can actually tell and yeah I, th- I think you're it's interesting to compare yourselves to Forest there and what you're saying that of course they brought in like a, a, small, a small island of players like yeah. at, one, at one time in terms of the number of incomings but I, I, I think none, none of them were under any any illusion that it wasn't going to be a battle which is it's obviously turned out to be that way and in terms of the the players who 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 have tried to to stand up this season and um, drag Leicester along, I mean, from the outside then again, James Madison is a sort of a name that like pops up in bright lights because I think it's from the highlights that I've seen, from the from the comments I've seen. Obviously, you were talking there about sort of people coming out and questioning the fight, the hunger of the side, and then I think I see Madison with some quotes like that attributed to him as well. He he does seem to have actually um, become a really really important figure this season. I'll, I'll be honest in terms of my own my own estimation of James Madison was that I, I I didn't see enough from him game in game out and again outside from from the outside in. Whereas this season, the more I, the more I've seen of, of Leicester, um, the more focal he has seemed to everything in terms of actually trying to have a positive influence on the side. But I'm sure I've missed players there who who, who have been involved. Or or tell me if I'm if I'm wrong, and there haven't been many, but for you, who have been the players who have tried to rescue the situation,
4: yeah, it is Madison. There's no getting away from that. He he has been in terms of technical ability, he's been superb. I think I think he's got is it ten goals and nine assists in the Premier League now. So yeah. you know, what one, one one more assist, and he'll be in double figures for both. Which I think only Saka is the only mm. player so far who's in double figures for both. You know, so to do that. Is that his when best the, season
3: as well? I think it's his, be his best season uh, in the league. I think. Yeah, I think, I think
4: it's his best season. I think. Um, no, he got a combined twenty last season. I think it was thirteen oh, okay, goals, wow. seven assists, and then he got thirty all competitions last season. Um, Just missing all of
3: this, yeah.
4: Leicester obviously went quite far with a lot of games in Europe and in the cups. So, mm-hmm. um, yes, but but even still, you know, he's um, he has been he has been the focal point. He's been. His all-round play has been very, very good. Um, There have been games where he has.
0: Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4pm, Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye.
4: You know, there's been sort of a, an overwhelming desire to win and that determination has been you know, flowing out I mean, of it. Was, there was a game uh, against Nottingham Forest when Leicester hadn't won and they came back after an international break, beat Forest at home 4-0. I've never seen a player produce a performance where they look so determined to win as Madison was in that game. Um and then he away at Everton, just before two weeks before the World Cup, um was one of the best individual performances I've ever seen from a, an attacking player at Leicester. He didn't he didn't score, he set up the two goals. Um but just every time he got the ball, the, you could see the confidence in him. The footwork was amazing. Um, the way he was deceiving players with drops of the shoulder and things like that. The way he was, you know, moving the ball and playing the ball and finding the pockets and, and setting up teammates. Yeah, just terrific. Um, and I think there has been, there's got to a point where Leicester have been really reliant on him to produce that magic because the defence is so has been so poor, and because they concede, they've needed players like Madison to to produce the magic regularly uh, in forward areas. And I do wonder whether because they've been, the team have kind of expected him to produce that and needed him to produce that, whether it's now got to a point where he's trying a little bit too hard. I think particularly over the past few weeks, you know, he sees himself as one of the leaders in the squad. He he was captain for, for a few weeks. Obviously Evans has been injured the whole season and then Tielemann's missed five or six weeks with it, with an ankle problem. So Madison was captain in that period. And I think he, he took that quite seriously. And I think he feels that he's almost got to do it by himself at times and we've seen him maybe sort of keep the ball a little bit too long, not playing teammates when he should have done. Um, and I think that's what's annoyed fans a little bit. There was a, a particular comment um after the Southampton game. Leicester lost to Southampton away um, on, it was early March it was. And that's when people started worrying about relegation again. And he came out after the game and said, I think, uh, Rob Tanner, a colleague of mine who works at the Athletic, he published a story saying sort of some of the reasons why Leicester, uh, you know, a vassal relegation. Um, and Madison sort of t- quote tweeted it and put, this is rubbish. Uh, did you watch the actual game? If we play like that, we'll be absolutely fine. Um, and that, co- that quote is being brought up game after game after game. Yeah. Because it, it, you know, then they're, they're clearly not fine. I, I could understand what he was Madison was saying. If you watch that game on the balance of chances, Leicester should have probably won. Um, mm. Ian Atcher missed a few, Uh has been quite good this season, but Ian Atcher missed a few, um, good chances in that game. Um, Southampton didn't have that many, but even so, even you know, on the balance of chances, there still felt something missing from Leicester's game that felt like there was a uh a lack of understanding, a lack of acknowledgement of how serious the situation was in. And then obviously Madison's tweet afterwards then suggested that was the case too. And mm-hmm. I think fans have kind of been taking that really seriously, that relegation could be a possibility. And I think they mm-hmm. feel that, that players maybe haven't been doing so. Yeah, so that's cool. that's been the problem with Madison over over the past couple of weeks. But really on the pitch, he still has been the best player. Um, yeah, so nobody else has really um, performed to expectations you know, Yuri Tielemans is disappointed. Um, obviously they've had goalkeeper issues and had to change their goalkeeper. Um, Vardy has underperformed this season. Uh, obviously a slight sort of improvement since Dean Smith came in. Harvey Barnes has done, has done okay. Um, he's obviously has had his best goal scoring season this season, but it, it just feels like his finishing has come on, um, rather than because. You know, his threat is improved. Um, So, yeah, so really there haven't been many players, if any, um, Mm. that that have hit the expectations that they would, um, yeah, that that was uh, from the start of the
3: season. Mm. And obviously I think a lot was made of the decision to to sack Rodgers and how late that actually occurred in the season, given some of those worrying signs you were talking about and how early the concerns were there. Uh, it's my understanding from from that whole situation that perhaps that had something to do with compensation or some, something along something along those lines that was more more technical in nature rather than sort of a just a belief that he could turn it around. Tell me if I'm completely wrong in that understanding, but like it, it, it did it did feel slightly strange to see him last in the job that long, considering some of the really bad results early in the season. And then that poor stretch from around where the start of the new year after the World Cup.
4: Yeah, I think um, I think that that has been a, a discussion point. I, to be honest, I I didn't really ever get the impression that that was the issue because I think okay. no matter what the compensation would be for Rogers, it was always going to be less than the cost of relegation.
3: Yeah, that's um, a good
4: point. Yeah. So it, I think if they genuinely felt relegation was a problem. Um, or was going to be a problem,
3: mm.
4: then they would have sacked um Rogers sooner than they did. I think they would just, I think they probably did analyze it in house yeah. on occasion, and on every occasion they deemed that Rogers was the best manager uh, for the job. I think the obviously the run of games before the World Cup, you know, because. Yeah, changing changing the manager before the World Cup when you've got a, a you know a couple of months break that felt like the ideal time to do it. And obviously, a couple of other clubs did that. Wolves uh, got in Lopetegui, um Southampton obviously got in Nathan Jones, which sort of turned out, turned out to be a bad move. But that was the time when clubs were were looking to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but because Leicester had had that kind of turnaround in form, I think they were up to 14th. I think by the by the by the World Cup, it didn't feel like it was necessary to change manager then they came back didn't start very well but then they got the signings in at the end of January they won back-to-back games against Villa and Spurs where they were excellent in both those games and then it was like okay yes we're back on back on track and then they had another run of defeats Um, so it it was kind of like that yes he did get more time than I think most owners uh, most clubs would have afforded him but because of the the way the results came it kind of felt just as he was on the brink of maybe being sacked, mm. they would get a run of results that would save him for an extra few games. And it wasn't until um, the Crystal Palace game at the start of April that um, that they felt they needed to make the decision. And to be fair, they, obviously they dropped back into the relegation zone with that result, but it was more than that. The performance was horrendous. Um, they, they only lost in the last minute. Uh, Mateta scored in the, in the last kick of the game. Um, but I think it was... The shot count was thirty-one to three, um, so and Palace should have won the game uh, far sooner than they did. Um, so yes, it was a uh, yeah. It, it, I can understand why it would. It feels late, and I think in hindsight it was a late decision. Um, but it, yeah, it was just the run of games and the pattern of games probably did um, help him keep his job for that long.
3: Yeah, no, I know you're saying just sort of the fractured nature of the season um, and that run just before before the break. yeah Probably was, especially with the manager's sort of tenure at the club and the positivity around him as well. It's like, yeah, I can understand that so they were wanting to give him more time. I think what you were talking about earlier on in that even if he is the best manager that, um, less developed, that, that they could have got, Maybe wasn't sort of the most appropriate for the situation that the club eventually found themselves in as well. But and so that brings me on to the point of once that decision was made, and then Dean Smith comes in. What did you make of that appointment, given the task at hand, which is you know, purely a battle to to stay in the league at that at that point?
1: Um,
3: I, I mean, it
4: felt. Uh, I mean, to be honest, it, with all the managers that we're speaking to, it felt a little bit desperate. But I did think. Uh, I was pleased that Smith had had the re- recent experience of, of keeping Villa up, um, which that was only three years ago, and they had a real spurt towards the end of the season. I think they got eight points from their last four games uh, to survive mm-hmm. that season. Obviously, there was Greenwich the- was inspired, wasn't he? I the yes, thing. yeah. yeah. I think that there was the famous game at Sheffield United where uh, goal-line technology stopped working. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and they, I think they won that one and would have drawn otherwise. Um, but but they did improve, and they Smith managed to get a squad that had looked destined for relegation up into you know up to safety. So I think in that regard, it, it felt like a decent appointment. Obviously, bringing Craig Shakespeare back to the club, the title-winning assistant manager, um, that felt like a positive move. Um, bringing John Terry with him as well, someone you know, one of the the, the Premier League's best ever defenders. Surely he was going to be able to help improve the Leicester's defence. So I think, actually, when the appointment was made, I think it was the the kind of with the three of them combined with 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 Smith, Terry, and Shakespeare. I think that it probably was uh, there probably was a positive feeling, Um, you know, a feeling that Leicester could get out of it. So yeah, I I I think it was obviously not ideal. The whole situation isn't ideal, and. you know, that nobody wanted to be in a situation where you have to try try to find a new manager in the middle of April to avoid relegation. Mm -hmm. But in those circumstances, it felt like Smith was a a decent appointment.
3: In terms of how he's tried to approach that task and the changes that he's made, what have been the most noticeable ones? I mean, you you were alluding there to a little bit of Vardy's slight revival under Smith as well. Yes, that's
4: been um, a big one. I think before... Smith came in, Vardy had been on a six-month goal drought in the Premier League. He'd only scored once in the league all season, which was a bit of a surprise because he'd scored 15 last season, mm. um, but in 25 games. So Uzi had a really good strike rate because he you know he was injured for a period, but um so I think for him to drop off so suddenly did feel like a surprise, but it, it it didn't feel like it was anything to do with Rogers, really, it just felt like you know Vardy's race had run kind of thing he was 36 and you know maybe that happens to all players Um you know if, if if players didn't get old you know you'd still have you know some legends of the game still playing into their 50s but you know when the legs go it does affect it you know it does affect them so um that didn't feel like a big deal at the time but Smith's come in and said no, he's still his legs are still there, we're just not playing to his strengths. And he's he has kind of proven that. Vardy has been much more involved. Um and that's probably because they're they're playing the ball forward more quickly, um, into areas, trying to to play those passes before the opposition defense can get set uh into positions, you know, so there's you know, playing the passes when there's more space, and that's obviously going to help Vardy. Um So that's been one improvement. I think that was the key. That was one of the key things that Smith said when he first came in to get to to move the ball forward more quickly. The other thing was to try to stop uh, the opposition creating chances so readily. That's something he hasn't been able to change. Um, The the defense has been as well. Yes, certainly over the last two games against Fulham and Everton, the defense has been as bad as it was at any point in the season um just they're just torn apart at will. I think the the issue for me watching it is that they push so many players forward um to try to create chances for themselves, but they don't have the organization to cope when teams then counter them. Um and that would be my big concern with Liverpool because they are so ruthless when they do get the ball. Um in sort of midfield areas and they can get it forward quickly and their attacking players, you know, know how to move move the ball and get it into the box in one or two passes and get uh, and get shots away. Um Leicester really haven't coped very well in those sorts of scenarios. Um because they, they sort of they do make those mistakes further forward, which you know they're inevitable. If you're trying a riskier pass to try and unlock a defence, you are going to give up the ball on occasion but it just felt whenever they did that, they would be leaving their defence really exposed. Um, Mm. So it's not really been the defence itself that's been the problem. It's been how the team defends um, that's been the issue.
3: Those moments of transition you're talking about. Yes, yes. Yeah, and it's it's, it's interesting that you say that actually, because I think that's something that Liverpool have been uh, very poor at all season as well. um, Defending in those moments of transition, uh, losing the ball in really bad areas and, not having the midfielders to really um, provide the cover that that the defence needs. So you see all these 1v1 situations and Alisson's had to do what he's he's, he's done. Uh, But it's interesting thinking back to the previous Leicester game, actually, because I really did think Leicester deserved to win that game. To be honest, it was very strange that the way in which it ultimately transpired with the own own goals and and the way in which... it. uh, Ended up, so uh, Hall running through the midfield, uh, at yes. will. I re- remember that just a straight line run. No, no one, <laughs> no one tracking him was, a uh, I I think, a uh, um, where Liverpool found himself at one particular stage. And obviously at the, at the moment, um, that been on this better run and the one, the one element of their game that sort of never really disappeared this season was knowing what to do in those moments of transition against other teams, as you're talking about where you're sort of. Worried that Leicester are particularly vulnerable in those in those moments. I, I suppose I mean, I mean, looking at the run in and looking you know, at all the different teams that are involved in this battle and um, Liverpool, Newcastle, West Ham are the final three for for Leicester, It Looks like City, Wolves, Bournemouth are the final three for uh, for Everton. Um, Forest got Chelsea, Arsenal, Palace. Which is very tough result. And it was Southampton e- e- equally not a great run. Um, I mean. If you if you had to sum up where you think fans' mentality is at this stage, is there a degree of resignation after that Fulham loss, or is there a feeling that you are going to be able to get enough points to to escape?
4: No, it is a there is resignation there. I think mm. the losing to Fulham and then watching Everton beat Brighton yeah. and. Forest beat Southampton. The sort of combination of those three results all in a row, kind yeah. of, it felt um, like Leicester had blown their chance. Um, at that point, you know, coming off the back of the March international break uh, coming into April, um, if you looked at the fixtures on paper um, over the first over the final, I think I can't remember if there was ten or eleven games left at that point. Um, on paper. Leicester had one of the best fixture lists, um, of the, of the, there was nine teams in the relegation battle at that point. Leicester had one of the best fixture lists, uh, along with Palace and Bournemouth. Obviously, Palace and Bournemouth have both, you know, took advantage of theirs and, and yeah. got the results, and Leicester haven't been able to do that. And now they've come into these last three games where they've just, where they've got a really tough run of fixtures, you know, against two teams that, uh, uh, form and chasing the Champions League, um, and then before West Ham at home on the, on the last day. I think with, in the few days since Monday, maybe a little bit more hope has emerged, um, particularly assessing Forest's run in. I do think if Leicester are going to get out, it's going to be Forest that they overtake. I think Everton, although I think Everton will lose to Man City. Those last two games against Wolves and Bournemouth, I think they probably only need to win one of those to be safe. And I think they would, will be able to do that. Um, but Forest, They've been dreadful away from home this season and they've got two away games left. And their one home game is is one home game is against Arsenal, um, who will be in the yeah. battle. They'll still be fighting for the title at that point, even though they they won't be favourites. So uh, I do think there is a possibility that four points for Leicester will would be enough. Um because they've got the better goal difference as well of, of the teams down there. Mm. Um, but that means getting a point against either Liverpool or Newcastle and then beating West Ham on the last day. Um, that would give themselves a, a decent chance. I'm not saying that would definitely be enough, but I think it would give themselves a decent chance. Um, and yeah, I think that's that doesn't feel that um, unachievable, you know, especially if West Ham get through to the Conference League final you would think last game of the season, if you're playing for West Ham and you're playing in a Champions in a in a European final, that feels like a once in a lifetime kind of um, thing. I don't feel like you're going to be bothered about a game against Leicester, where it doesn't really affect your future in the Premier League or anything like that. So I feel like that, if Leicester need to win in that game, they will be able to, despite all their their troubles. Um, but it's just the hope that a win in that game will be enough. Um, and maybe the results in the, the next two games don't affect them too much because I really can't see them getting any more than a point out of the next two games. Um, and I think even if they were to get that point, they would have to be lucky in, in some senses. So, um, yeah, so that it's a little bit bleak. Um, uh, but I don't think the hope has completely evaporated, but, um, the well is running dry.
1: I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Well, I
3: was, I was, I was going to end it when you said... You, you don't think the hope is uh, completely evaporated, but the well is pretty dry. It feels like a bleak place to end. it. Yes, yeah. I wanted to be, I wanted to be
4: positive, but I thought actually, I'm not, I'm not really feeling all that positive. Let's, so yeah,
3: let's hope Jamie Vardy can thrive. In, I mean, the, the man seemed to be fueled by pettiness at one stage. So let, let's, let's hope he can, he, he can thrive in these final three games and sort of like, uh, yeah, there's a like, a finger over the mouth to to West Ham fans on the final day, uh, final game of the season, which we know he very much thoroughly enjoys. So, uh, thanks so much for coming on, John. Really appreciate the insight because it's obviously been a, been a difficult season to follow.
4: No, no, uh, no worries at all. I am. Um, it's the uh, it's the one topic I can talk about. So, um, mm. yeah.
3: No worries at all. And uh, for all the Liverpool fans who've been listening to to the, these, these episodes of Rival Recon throughout the season, not many more to go now. Just the. The two more episodes after this, and we'll be back against. uh, We'll be back ahead of that game against Villa on the twentieth of May. um, As this improbable push for top four continues, that we'll see sort of where Liverpool end up. But it's definitely been more fun in in recent weeks to watch the side. So do uh, do join us then ahead of that game against Villa. We hope you enjoyed listening to
2: this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel